The Cambridge Film Show on Cambridge 105 Radio. This is The Cambridge Film Show. Everyone sing, do a jingle. Ding, da, ding, ding. Cambridge Film Show. Cambridge Film Show. Oh, well done. Well. <laughs> oh, excellent, Yossi. What an excellent start to what is going to be an absolutely fine show. Nothing's going to go wrong. We do have eight million films to review. I'm Ashley. I'm the one that forgot to play the trailer at the beginning. We also have Yossi reviewing with us today. Hello. Nick. Hello. And the last show ever, maybe, <laughs> for our Henry, because you're moving away from us. I am. Hello. Oh, this better be good, Henry. We'd let's hope so. Good. Um, as I said, we do have one million films to get through. We're going to talk about it again at the end of the show, but just to remind you that the Cambridge Film Festival is back. It starts on the 19th of October. Um, head to cambridgefilmfestival.org.uk to find out what's on. We are also reviewing, in this order, The New Exorcist, Totally Killer, Fair Play, Some Otherhood, Blackberry, The Great Escaper, Flora and Son, and a quick nod to Taylor Swift's Eras Tour because she is almost single-handedly, along with Beyonce, floating the American economy at the moment. But we need to get going, so let's go back to The Exorcist. Lovely. Um, Henry, The Exorcist is back. Tell us what it's about. I think we can guess. Yeah, so you'll never guess, right? There's a Stephen. Yeah, it is uh, the the new Exorcist film. Um, It's from David Gordon Green, who did the recent Halloween trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. that kind of started all right and went downhill quite quickly. No, 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 no. Okay, well, you know, that's a that's a separate <laughs> film show. But anyway, he's kind of doing a similar thing here again where he's now starting a new Exorcist trilogy that's going to ignore all the other sequels, messy and complicated as they are, and just be a direct 50-year-later uh, sequel to the original Exorcist. Uh, this one is, in the grand tradition of Exorcist sequels, rubbish. <laughs> it, it's about um, this this dad and his young daughter um, who who lost their mum back in Haiti um, like about a decade ago. This young girl goes out into the woods with her friend to try and contact the mum from beyond the grave. Would you believe it? Things go bad badly. You end up with two possessed little bambinos walking around, little uh, scars in their heads and on their arms, and they go, "Oh my god, we need an exorcist!" And uh, also, we're gonna. Got to bring back Ellen Burstyn to come and cash a good paycheck for her. Um, and Linda Blair. So the the folklore is not real. She didn't die in a curse after the first one was made. No, no, no. I, she is. She's there. There is kind of, you know, a lot of pictures of her, a lot of references to like, oh, what's happened to her? It is kind of hidden around. I guess they are saving it for the later films in okay. this trilogy. I'm kind of, I feel like I'm talking around the film, but the... the this is meant to be the first of a trilogy, and I just cannot imagine what they're going to do. Like, it ends on such an uninteresting and unremarkable note that you don't think, oh, but where does it go from here? You're like, oh, okay, well, that was 
that was another Exorcist Thank movie. God that's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. The fact oh, that they no. want to do two more of these is baffling. Apart from the fact that Blumhouse spent, I think, four hundred million dollars on the rights to make these, so they want to, you know, milk them out to try and get as much money as possible. And yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels like a, a pure and simple cash grab. Um, also, inexplicably, Jennifer Nettles' country singer star making the the jump to horror films. Yeah, and Leslie Odom Jr., star of oh. Hamilton, also He's popping gone up right downhill. Yeah. <laughs> He's been in a few things, though, actually, since Hamilton. He is coming an actor oh, on no, the no. screen. Oh, no, no. He's a fine actor. And, you know, for, for what you can say about this film, you can't really besmirch the actors. Um, they are not given a lot. And they, they try, they really try. Um, Anne Dowd is here, and Anne Dowd kind of does that great Anne Dowd thing, where she's like <laughs> a little bit sinister and a little bit like, ooh, is she good, is she evil? And then she Very matronly, gets, isn't she? Very matronly. And she gets to do a little thing at the end, and you're like, all right, Anne Dowd. And, and then you're like, all right, oh, the film ended. Oh, oops. It oh. is just a completely pointless film. Like a real, <laughs> a real waste of time, to be completely honest. I... I just don't... I don't know who this is for because right. fans of the original Exorcist don't really want another Exorcist film because, like I said, historically... like Leave free, it perfectly as is. Yeah, Exorcist free aside, they're all pretty, pretty pants. And I don't think new horror fans are like, oh, fantastic, a new Exorcist film. Because, you know, for a lot of new horror fans, they don't like the original Exorcist because it's a very different style of horror than, like, our modern stuff. So I, I don't know who wants this film apart from people who wanted to cash paychecks. It just, I don't know, for the second time this year already, I'm getting nostalgic for The Pope's Exorcist, which at least was a film that felt <laughs> it was like... Bad. It felt like it knew what it wanted yeah, to be. it knew it, it was funny bad. It did so confidently. <laughs> okay, so if you're in a halloween mood, skip this one and look for something else. There's a lot of, like... Um, showings of The Exorcist happening for the 50th anniversary. Okay. Just go watch the original. Yeah. Excellent. Leave this alone. Yeah, leave The Exorcist alone. Well, The Exorcist Believer, a rave it's, review yeah. from Henry there. <laughs> Probably skip it. However, we do think you're going to like this new horror film. This is totally killer. I'd like to report a crime that hasn't happened yet. Have you seen the movie Back to the Future? Basically, I'm living that movie right now, which is how I know there's going to be a murder tonight. <laughs> Hate time travel movies. They never make any sense. Happy Halloween. How about we all stay in and hand out Halloween candy? No, Mom. You know how hard this time of year is for us. Your friends were murdered 35 years ago. It's not 1987 anymore. Stay safe, honey. I love you. <sighs> sufficiently stabby there that is totally killer brand new to prime so you don't even have to leave the house for this one which makes it already better than the exorcist which henry just penned um nick tell us about totally killer yes uh, halloween season is here um this is from the director and i'm not sure i can pronounce her first name properly but nana Ta nana techa khan who you may have uh, come across on off the boat which is a which is a, a, a film that was very well received um, this is basically, this is another Bloomhouse production, I should point out. Uh, mm -hmm. It's um, uh, Back to the Future meets Scream 
with a bit of um, Happy Death Day thrown in mm. as, a, as a sort of um, cherry on the top. <clears throat> it's um, a Bloomhouse production. It's quite low production in that respect. I'm going to start with the negatives, which uh, it's... The, the jokes are... It, this is a comedy. It's not a horror film. Mm. Um, the jokes are quite sparse, um, and there isn't a huge amount of menace or suspense... That said, if you're looking for a good Halloween flick that isn't going to spare the bejeebies out of you and is quite good fun, then this is for you. If you're a die-hard in the, in the head uh, horror fan that wants to be scared senseless, then perhaps this uh, film will leave you a little bit uh, nonplussed. But moving on to the better stuff, mm -hmm. uh, there's some very uh, amusing. Uh, so this is, involves time travel. It involves uh, a serial killer. It involves a time machine which isn't over-explained, thankfully, uh, going back to 1987, and then having some very amusing uh, uh, jokes around sexism and sexual politics from the 80s, which yeah. were the best things in this film for me. And I would summarise it by saying, uh, if you're on a Friday night, you've got a couple of beers and some popcorn, sit down with this, you'll find it extremely amusing. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, it's not a masterpiece. It doesn't expect or want to be, um, but you'll have great fun watching this. I had a great time watching this. I was getting really cosy Hubie Halloween vibes, mm. that Adam Sandler film starring Julie Bowen, who's also in this. Because, um, yeah, it's not too scary. It's kind of family-ish horror, because we were talking, it's a yeah, 15... It's I, you reckon your 12-year-old will be fine with this? I, I think my 12-year-old will be fine. There's a, the, the problem is more the swearing, I suspect. Uh, it's, yeah. It can be a bit fruity in places. The only real violence in it is, well, I say this, but when the murders happen, and I mm -hmm. won't give away how, the camera does linger a little bit on the stabbing um, without giving too much away. Yeah. The killer stabs 16 times. Yeah. They do um, take watch the 16 times stabbing so there is a bit of violence in there but yeah. it's not it's not gory they not do gory. they do something clever with there's never a knife with a lot of blood there's never a lot of blood around where the knife is going so they separate no. those two things so it's a lot a little cleaner mm. um julie bowen in it is as adorable as ever playing the mother who's being avenged back in 87 by her daughter kiernan shipka who you'll know as don draper's daughter mm. in mad men and there's a really brilliant cast of young actors here i don't know any of them but no. i bet if i read out some of their names no. people are going to realize that they're massive tiktok stars or something because i'm a boomer but um people like olivia Holt and Charlie Gillespie and Troy Leanne Johnson. I recognise that name maybe. Uh, uh, there was another note I made on that which is I liked the casting. Mm. I didn't know uh, the, who half the cast were either but they all felt relevant to the the, the, the genre that it was in, Teenagers in yeah. Peril. They seemed like uh, a, a well cast group. They did uh, a great job of acting very differently if they were 80s teenagers and modern day teenagers as uh, well. You could really tell that times have moved on, personalities yeah. and the yeah. way we act together are very yeah. different and that was a really nice stark yeah. change and something you don't often see in in uh, any movie let alone a, a comedy horror film like mm. this there was a, some sort of obvious rest rare sort of sexist t-shirts that were going and the comment wasn't uh, a great exposition about um, sexism in the 80s it was just kind of really yeah uh, and I, I like that we remembered it. We were there. Yeah. I was only a baby, but still. I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think people will definitely be into this. If you've got older kids, tweenagers, teenagers, yeah. watch this all together. It's a family-friendly film enough. Nice payoff at the end. Yeah. yeah, great time travel. Don't get too bogged down in the science. Just enjoy it. 
This was fun. So Totally Killer is um, a prime original out now, Certificate 15, something which is definitely not a Certificate 15. New to Netflix is the harrowing Fair Play. How did I get so lucky? Are you talking about me or your job? Okay, sorry. We're getting married. We're getting married. I wish we could tell the whole world. We're gonna have to tell them sooner than later. Morning. Morning. I think it's the right time to admit we're breaking policy. So, Yosra, I meant to text you before I... Before you watch this saying, maybe skip this one, it's very stressful. <laughs> I know you don't like stressful watches, but try and tell us what... Well, you can tell us what Fair Play is about without spoiling I anything, I really. I don't, think, I don't think I'll spoil it. I, I'll give a brief synopsis. So um, this is on Netflix and it's directed by Chloe DeMont, who I believe this is her directorial debut. Nice. And I think I read somewhere that this is actually based on some of her own experiences at film Ooh. directorial debut I should say she's done, she's done, some, TV, she's done yeah. a lot of TV so it's about this couple um uh, Emily and Luke I think are their names and they are from the beginning and you see this very clearly very much in love a very very passionate a very amorous a couple a very amorous passionate couple uh, you know and they are they are engaged they both work for the same investment banking firm but it's a secret to everyone that they work with and um, there is a promotion up for grabs and at the beginning we believe that Luke is going to get this promotion but what actually happens is that Emily gets the promotion and what the film explores is how that affects the relationship with the woman being the one who gets the promotion and becomes extremely successful in quite a male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. And it explores things like gender roles and what's valued more in the workplace. Is it more the masculine characteristics or is it the more the feminine characteristics? And I think it does it really, really well. It's a bit slow to begin with. Um, you got to kind of take your time with it. But then I have to say the third act in particular, yeah. it really picks up. That's when it gets very stressful. It was horrendous. Very, very stressful. Probably should do a bit of a trigger warning. There is a scene yeah. of sexual violence in it. Um, but it, it's it's really about the relationship dynamics. And it is, I, I think, for, for what it's exploring, it does it very well. I loved it for that. And it was a very slow first third or two, but thinking back, I don't even mind because of how good the rest of it was. Mm. And very kind of plainly, they're inviting you to ask yourself, how would I feel if the gender roles were reversed? Would you be furious at Luke for going out on these kind of nights out at these times exactly. with his colleagues? But it looks so crass because it's young, pretty Emily, this girl in the middle of an exotic dancing club with lots yeah. of men who are in charge of her. Um, it's So it seems quite obvious in that way, but the way they do the disintegration of the relationship yes. levels it up one more and the stress just builds and another trigger warning. So the way this descends into what becomes an abusive relationship, I won't say on which side, mm. but that stress and the tension building and how they start to talk to each other and the way they start to act around each other was so stressful. But yeah. I loved it despite that, which who do you think would enjoy watching this? It's it's straight on Netflix, but it's done very well at the film festivals. I think Tiff and Can liked it very much. Yeah, and I, I would say it's not one for kids. It's an <laughs> 18 certificate. But I yeah. think anyone can watch it. I think I actually think you'll get different things out of it because as you were kind of referring to there, Ash, 
it asks questions of you in terms of what are you taking away from this, from the character's motivations? Yeah. Who are you Whose sort of side am I on? with? Does that make me a bad and, person? And also, I think actually a lot of like people are saying, oh, it's a reflection of society. I'm not sure. I think it might be a real reflection of actually the industry that they're working in and the company that they're working in. Yes. Because it is, it's very male-dominated. You've got Eddie Marsden, who's really good in this, yeah. playing a boss that I don't think I One would ever want to actors, work for. One of our most beloved actors, but yeah, he's horrendous. He's really not nice. But what's very clear, actually, and I really liked this, about the film is Emily has got this role because of her talent because mm. she is the more competent one mm-hmm. Luke thinks he is but actually Emily is the one proven time and time again to be incorrect to about be that, exactly yeah. and they really exp- they, they go into that in quite in a very good way so I, I would recommend it, but just be prepared for that last third where it does get quite Incredibly intense. Incredibly stressful. Yeah. Um, you've also got a little role from Richard Sommer in there. He's normally a lovely comic actor, so it's really horrible to see all of these people because even um, Phoebe... Di- I can never say her name. Phoebe Dynever, yeah. um, she's normally very poised and proper. She's and from Bridgerton, lovely, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. A lovely Bridgerton lady. She needs to get down there and get dirty if she wants to play with the big boys. So she kind of, yeah, lowers herself but in there's some There's a lot ways, that I think to. maybe as women watching it, we could take a, we saw, we were watching it thinking, oh yeah, actually that, that does happen. Yeah. And you know, about things about the way she dresses mm-hmm. and what she says and how she acts. It's things that I think a lot of women watching this will, yeah. will um, relate to. Um, I loved this a lot. Again, another one you don't have to leave the house for, which is excellent. Um, It's straight to Netflix, and that is Fair Play. The next film we're going to talk about, I could not, for love nor money, find you a trailer without any swearing within 19 seconds. (laughs) So we're going to have to go straight into some otherhood. Nick, could you tell us what this film is about? There's no trailer, so do a good job. <laughs> well, um, it, well, you said a trailer wouldn't have helped us, really. No, I don't think so. Uh, the, the, the one of the, the the best things about this movie is the lyrical, uh, the lyricism and the language in it. You have to really concentrate throughout the film uh, just to, to to understand a lot of the dialogue that's going on. It, the whole the whole film is really one big rap. Um, Sounds brilliant. It, it, it's a whirlwind of dialogue. Uh, so this is it's basically the story of our uh, two. Uh, eponymous heroes uh, and Adam Deacon no and uh, I forgot the other chap's name now um, but it was Rico, Rico and Kane, Kane yeah. Rico and Kane and uh, essentially there would be gangsters who want to uh, become part of the sort of the big boy gangs but they're not they're soft hearted characters really but they want they desperately want to be these sort of gangster villains mm-hmm. and um, herein lies the, the, the central problem with the film mm-hmm. the narrative itself the story itself uh, it, it veers from one sort of set piece to another, um, in the meantime being littered with various cameos. Um, Ed Sheeran's in it. it so so the, the problem with this film, and, and Ed Sheeran is it, I'll come to him in a minute, but uh, there's, uh, and, uh, and, and so is Jeremy Corbyn, for that matter. Allow it, Westman, I think, is his iconic line. Yeah, the trailer. exactly. And, and so... <laughs> I love this already. I really want to see it. The thing, so I enjoyed it. I didn't, I won't say I didn't enjoy myself, but then I flip-flopped on this movie three times now, whether it, and, and the, when you reflect on what the film's trying to do, it is a little bit unclear. It is a comedy, let's be clear on that. Um, it is um, coming off the back of a, 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 a part... Se- it's supposed to be a bit of a sequel to adulthood, but mm. I'm not sure it is really. It's got a few uh, overlapping characters. Mm-hmm. But the the... At one point, the film wants to be a comedy, and then there are some very explosive, very violent scenes that you go, 
hang on a minute, that's slightly incongruous with the comedy. Mm -hmm. And then perhaps the biggest problem I had with the film on reflection was it released on Mental Health World Day yesterday. It's um, purportedly, and the director has said this, about, you know, trying to address mental health problems, particularly bipolarism. Now, I have a very good friend who's bipolar, who I've known all my life. I've been with him through a lot of troubles, including jail time with him. and I didn't recognise that in this film at all. They kept talking about being bi- he was bipolar, and that's why he were acted um, Rico acted the certain way he did. Um, but they 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 kept saying it, but they never explored it. And so the theme of mental illness within the film I felt was totally lost. And then there were the cameos, and there are some extraordinary cameos, some of which I will have recognised, some of which I won't. The Ed Sheeran ca- cameo is probably the one, and, and the uh, Jeremy Corbyn ones that are getting the headlines. Ed Sheeran plays, get it, crackhead. He's a crackhead. Okay. Um, he actually does it very well, but he um, it's, it's a very shoehorned uh, cameo into the piece with some um, continuity issues. Uh, Jennifer Sordens is a spit at the end, or oh, giving too much away probably, the cameos are a bit shoehorned in. <laughs> all of that said, all of that said, I enjoyed it, and the the the, the script is quite phenomenal. Nice, and it is written, so it's di- um, directed and written by Adam Deacon, who also stars. Um, and then you've got Michael View and Jazzy Zonzolo all together. So the, the script felt authentic to you. These are people mm. who've lived something similar to that life. So perhaps. the language used felt authentic. So there was the, there was the I'm going to say this as a white middle class man who has no idea what oh he's dear. talking about. He's about to get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The, um, uh, but it's the language of the hood, as it were. And yeah. that felt authentic. What okay. didn't feel authentic to me was the un, uh, underlying narrative where the, where the story was supposed to be going what it was supposed to be exploring was this a comedy was this violent was it celebrating violence does it celebrate on or or, or or not gang gang violence and gang culture and what does it say about mental um, health or mental illness nothing as far as i can right. see so in that sense that's why i say i flip-flopped on the film i enjoyed the film and i jo- loved the language and the writing the writing the specific words that were put on the page and delivered to us it was like a tour de force and i love that I'm just not sure where the film really was taking itself. To get a proper cinema release on a UK-made uh, black-led amazing. film is unusual, amazing. but does this match up to... Because it's just finished and people have been raving for years, rightfully, about Top Boy, which is one of no. the finest pieces... No, not as good. No. Oh, how to, mm. Maybe they were riding the Top Boy coattails and they thought, this will get into the cinema, this will make some it's, money. It's, it's not as good because it doesn't quite know where it, what it wants to be right. as a film. It doesn't quite know if it's... I mean, it's, it is a comedy. It, mm. It's clearly a comedy. Top Boy's very much a drama. <laughs> very much a drama. Um, th- but this just, it's got too many um, elements really going on within it and it's trying to balance all of those elements and I don't think it does that very well. I'm being a bit down on the film in the sense that I'm, I have, on reflection, come to this. While I was watching the film, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I would absolutely recommend people go and see it um, because they may take away a, a, a very different um, perspective from it, as I say. Um, okay. A man of my perspective may, may not be the one you're listening to, to listen to, but I do think that, I, I do feel very strongly that the mental il- illness aspect of it was completely lost within okay. the, um, with the drama. And I, re- I reference that specifically because the director has brought that up. Okay. So, Some Otherhood, give it a go. It only came out on Friday the 13th, so it should be hanging around for a good couple more weeks if you'd like to have a look. I haven't got a, um age rating for this. I imagine it's a 15. It's a 15. I know yeah. it's a 15. Okay. It's, it's not... I, I referenced the violence 
but there's, it's the swearing. And, uh, it's every other. It's every other. Every sentence. other. Well, I couldn't even find you a flipping trailer to play. Yes, so. <laughs> Right, well, that's Some Otherhood in cinemas now at Certificate 15. We still have coming up Blackberry, yes, it's about the phone, The Great Escaper, Flora and Son, Taylor Swift, Era's Tour, and a little chat about the Cambridge Film Festival. Cambridge 105 Radio. Whether it's Cambridge United, City or Histon Town, From the Terraces brings you reaction as we follow all our local teams. In the main, to savour those moments and to create memories for supporters and, and players is a major thing for us. And delighted that we're connecting with the fans in the way that we are. Delighted that we were able to celebrate in that way because they're the sort of moments that stay with you forever. From the Terraces with Tim Armitage, Sunday at 1 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. Rhythms of Southern Africa, a musical journey, is coming to the Cambridge Junction on Saturday the 4th of November. Brought to you by Shanghai Promotions, it's a Southern African music extravaganza. Starring South African legend Freddie Gwala, Afro pop star Shedi Malaika, the legendary Jay's Marabini band from Zimbabwe, rising star Manai Nine, Aga Nayabinde and Lady B. Rhythms of Southern Africa, a musical journey where music and culture unite. Tickets available at shanghai.events or at junction.co.uk. Welcome back to the Cambridge Film Show. I'm Ashley. I'm here with my reviewers, Yossi, Nick and Henry today. We're going to go back in time. Who remembers Blackberries? Who misses their Blackberry? I do. This is the tale of how the tiny keyboarded phone rose and then catastrophically fell. Yeah, what can I do for you? Okay, picture a cell phone and an email machine all in one thing. There is a free wireless internet signal all across North America and nobody has figured out how to use it. It's like the force. Sorry, have you seen Star Wars? No. That guy is sketchy. I don't think he's sketchy. The guy's a shark. I know how to market it, and I know who we can sell it to. But I want 50% of the company, and I've got to be CEO. I don't know who you think you are, but deal. Are you joking? So, seems simple enough, Henry. Is it? What's the story? What's happening? Well, yeah, I mean, it is, as you say, it is like the story of the rise and the fall of the company behind BlackBerry. Um, it kind of, it seems like it's going to fit in with this, like, recent wave we've had of, like, brand biopics. Like, we had Tetris mm. earlier this year. Um, and this just embarrasses Tetris. This is excellent. This is, uh, it's one of my favourites of the year. I, I'm already a fan of Matt Johnson. Um, I've seen his previous two features. The Dirties is incredible, if you haven't seen it. Um, and this is, like, the most mainstream film he's done yet, but he doesn't lose any of his kind of, like, independent charm in making this. It's still, like, it's still very Canadian, as all of his films are, and it's still very kind of... I don't know, it feels like it's it's shot on the fly. It was, like, I think Yossi was saying, watching the trailer, like, it looks kind of like The Office, almost. Yeah. And, yeah, he's kind of managed to retain this while telling this, like big story and it's got big stars in it it's got Jay Baruchel it's got Glenn Howerton Rich Sommer for the second time this week Mad Men fans rejoice <laughs> and yeah it's this 
exhilarating tale of like this incredible rise and this incredible fall um, that you know people have been comparing it to the social network which is always tough because social network probably one of the best films ever made but this is like i don't know it's kind of it's kind of doing really well it's getting pretty close i yeah i laughed i was like entertained i felt like i learned stuff it is just an absolutely incredible ride and i i couldn't see anyone not enjoying this Yozzy, it's all very tech bro. It's yeah. pretty much all boys in the film. It's a there's very even a male film. There's yes. a joke about the fact that the the guy, the mean guy who's brought in to try and whip them into shape, just doesn't even realise there's a girl on the team. <laughs> yeah. um, did you even care about the story of Blackberry before coming into this? No, not necessarily. I, I didn't own a Blackberry, actually. You're I know, smidge I, too young, I, aren't you? I never did. But um, what I liked about this film, and I haven't seen Tetris, but I was thinking of maybe Air as a comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these kind of product success stories. But this mm. one is about failure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what made it... it the, the way you watch it, knowing that Blackberry is going to collapse at some point and the elements that will add up to its failure made it a really thrilling ride for me. And I do want to shout out, if we are talking about this this film and it's very male cast, um, Glenn Howerton as Jim, who comes in to be co-CEO. I, I mean, I love him anyway because I watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and he's mm-hmm. brilliant as Dennis and there are flashes of Dennis in this. <laughs> but he really, he really shines in this role as this kind of corporate... Arrogant, unrecognizable, like, and with that, with that hair, Samson has lost his hair. <laughs> um, but it, it, I, I thought it was really, really thrilling. I, I'm like Henry. I, I loved it. I love this very much as well. The the cinematography was my favourite bit. Nick, what did you think about the way it looked? It's very mm. nostalgic, isn't it? Yeah, it's hand, hand, a lot of handheld or handheld feel over the shoulder. So it gives you the sense that you're in the room with the characters as they're developing the product, as they're um, negotiating their deals. So it brings you into the room with the characters themselves. It's a two-hour talkie, so it's an impressive um, feat, really, to keep you engaged for two hours on the development of, of a phone. Um, but it does. It's thoroughly engaging throughout, and you, you're never bored. Um, Glenn Howerton's hair does have to be mentioned, though. If you, if you, oh, yeah. if you, if you I didn't if know it was him it, for an hour. No, if you look, at, <laughs> I encourage any listener to go on uh, IMDb him and look at his magnificent hair on IMDb, and then uh, watch this film. He's very bald in the middle, and it kind of distracted me a bit because I could sort of. Oh, think, at the beginning, I did laugh. I have to shame that it was just like you know. But um, so shave special, it all off. Special, I don't understand. Special <laughs> mention to Glenn's hair, I think, really has to be said. <laughs> Um, uh, but it, the only thing I felt was missing from this movie, and I thoroughly enjoyed it as well, um, was in the comparisons being made with Social Network, and I also thought the Steve Job movies, uh, Job mm, movie of um, yeah. Mr. Boyle's a few years back. That both those movies, um, I think, were enhanced by the fact that the ca- we knew a bit about the characters themselves outside of the office, and mm. so their motivations for doing what they did were explored. The only criticism I have of this film is we never really left the office or the boardroom, and so we never true. really knew the characters, what they were motivated by. Mm-hmm. Um, we were hinted at it wasn't money, and it, but what well, it is by Glenn, Glenn Howerton's motivated by money, the techie guys by tech. And that, that would be my only criticism, but having said that... By not doing that, they did explore more of the, the sort of development side of the product, which I personally, um, I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Anyway, and it's it. interesting you say that because 
there is a little bit of tech talk in this which went completely over my head but for, for me watching that it didn't matter no, it's so, yeah. it, it, you know you, it, it's yeah. it's about the kind of character the characters and that seemed and to the, be the, the vehicle the, the tech talk to show you who's actually the smart guy in the yeah, room exactly. who are the important people in this company it's not the people with all the money it's not the people that are going to run roughshod and get good work out of all these people it's the little tech mm. geeks who just want to have a good time yeah like leave them to it they'll get it done they know exactly what they're talking about you do not yeah I mean I think like you know to kind of disagree with Nick here like one of the things I think the film does really well and this is the first five minutes is that like you see the the, uh, the research in motion guys they like go to this big corporation they're like hey we'd like some money to like invest in our stuff and they meet Glenn Harrington's gym and he's like he's talking all over them he's like yeah whatever he's like a kind of typical business guy but we see him outside of this meeting where he's just like completely tanked his company's plans and he gets fired because he is incompetent he has no idea what he's doing he is arrogant <laughs> too so, bullshit with his yeah. deals yeah and we know this and this is in the back of our heads the entire time while these blackberry guys are Poor trying to buy Doug. into him yeah like i think that is you can just see the shark swimming towards them you're like no he is a shark because away. it's this character who can kind of only go forwards he's just powered on by a perpetual momentum and you genuinely believe that if he stops he will die. Yeah, and I and I, I actually would agree with that. And I made a note, and to to your point as well, yours that um, that we with a, it sets its stall out at the beginning in precisely the way you've just said, Henry. And so it is a story about failure, magnificent failure it may be, but it, and and it sets that stall out at early doors. So I would agree with that. It's weird how these films still manage to be entertaining and grip you when you know what happens at the end, you know who everyone is, but it's still the most thrilling thing in the world when they always have these kind of um, semi-biographical things where the title cards pop up at the end and tell you where everyone is now and the lovely Doug yeah. character um, has a nice one at the end. And it is that, that crushing scene, because we, we start to dislike Mike, his best friend and co-founder, quite mm. a lot um, by the second half. But his crushing end scene was oh, actually really sad. And that's yeah. that's where the thing I learned was that if you do go into these things and people always try and give the advice, like, don't lose sight of why you started this. Mm. And he completely 180 He turned into Glenn Howard's character and look what happened to and, him. And the, the, sorry, no, no, there, was, no. there, was a, there was a lovely scene in it. And by the way, we referenced him earlier. Michael Ironside is in this mm. film. Uh, and uh, again, I wasn't quite sure at first, but there's a lovely scene towards the end, exactly when you're saying when... When the um, the uh, is it was it was the guy's name Michael the Mike and Doug are the main ones. Michael's um, he even Michael Ironside's character uh, saying he's calming him down and going no 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 that's you're trying to be us and you're not us and that's we're not doing Aww. it because we like this we're doing it because we're trying to get we're something you money. you're losing your way and there's this there's this quite sensitive moment filled with pathos really where the, where, where he's trying to calm him down by saying you know this isn't the right way and this is a bullish character telling him that so I thought yeah. that was very well done I thought there are lots of lovely rounded characters lots of arcs and changes and it is a very sad but it's a super sweet story I loved learning about the history of Blackberry this is another one that got a proper cinema release it feels special these days when it happens um, Certificate 15 for all of um, <laughs> all of Glenn Howerton's swearing I think that's <laughs> yeah. the only thing that makes it a 15 but that is Blackberry go and see it in the cinema it's lovely you will not be disappointed. We're on to something lovely again, but perhaps a little more on the twee side this time. Um, this is The Great Escaper. Right, as soon as we've had some grub, I'll take you for a spin along the front. And when we get back, 
I think they've got a male stripper for you. What? I made that last bit up. I want to go to France. What are you on about? The trip to the beaches. D-Day. Really sorry, Bernie. You left it too late. I couldn't leave you all on your own. So you can hear the very distinctive voice of Michael Caine there um, in his character as Bernard Jordan. Nick, tell us what The Great Escaper is. So this is uh, from the director, Oliver Parker, who gave us, um, amongst other things, Johnny English and the St Trinian's films. Um, but also, and there's a clue here, Swimming With Men. Um, now, the reason I mention that is because I do feel this film has been badly mismarketed. Um, it is a comedy, and it is about a Second World War veteran who, ten years ago, um, it's called The Great Escaper. It's, again, a misleading title. He goes AWOL, really, from his um, home on the south coast of England to attend the 70th anniversary D-Day landings, because he is a D-Day veteran himself. And he has some guilt within him, and he feels the need to go over there and be there um, for his own personal reasons, which I won't go into. But they are that is part of the film. And it is a comedy, um, and it's a gentle comedy, starring... Gentle. <laughs> gentle. Uh, starring Michael Caine and um, Glenda Jackson, which really, in, it, in and of itself, is quite a remarkable thing, just to Huge say. Huge titans of English Huge cinema. Titans. Decades and decades of work. And Glenda them. Jackson's last film, and in fact, uh, Michael Caine... Oh, did she die? She yeah. has. She oh, died no. in the summer at 86. Michael Caine is now 90, and he's playing a 90-year-old veteran in this film. He has actually announced his retirement on the Today programme, I think, yesterday. Oh. Um, but we will see, because he's also signed up to do a Darwin pick next year. So we'll see if that, that uh, occurs or not. <laughs> anyway, I digress. This film is not actually about uh, a Second World War veteran um, going to, to D-Day. It is about Glenda Jackson and Michael Caine, who are not together for a lot of the movie, but it's about growing old and their relationship. There is a part where we go over to Normandy and Michael Caine um, confronts some of his memories from the past. We spend um, a lot of time, the other half of the time, with Glenda Jackson, who's at home covering for him, reminiscing about their relationship and their past and history together. Um, and there's a lot of close-ups about them. It's a talk about old age. It's a, a, um, a film about old age, about growing old together and what that means. And what I... And there are moments where it gets slightly twee, but there are, for me it was few and far between. And as an overall piece, I found this a deeply humanist film where it offers very little in terms... It's, we talked earlier about um, Some Otherhood and the, the fact that it got made and got a cinema release, which is fantastic. I'm, this film would never have been made without its two, two protagonists, Michael Caine and, and, and Glenda Jackson, because it's a, actually quite a depressing movie about growing old, and they offer very little comfort in that. They offer very little comfort about war. Michael Caine, when he resolves some of his issues when he's in France, just says, what a waste. He doesn't go into a great big speech about war and the tragedy of war. He just says, what a waste, and the camera pulls away, and uh, that is enough said. Glenda Jackson's character's reminiscing on the relationship and is asked what it's like to get old. And she said, it's rubbish. Uh, mm. She might say it a bit more <laughs> vociferously than that, but, you know, she said, you get this, you get that, and she then you, where's the comeback? You expect her to say, but the upside is this. There is no upside. She doesn't offer an upside. It's a gentle look at their relationship and how they have grown together and grown old together. It resolves itself very nicely, I felt, towards in the end by, by offering sense that don't worry too much about things life is life um 
go with it enjoy the moment don't worry too much about things you have no control about and um and and stay know what's important to you and love what's important to you i took away that from from the film and um i think as a final thing i would just say that when i left the cinema um it was in the arts picture house in cambridge and we went downstairs and there were some elderly gentlemen uh, outside and there was some drunk younger chaps barging past them which was very reminiscent of a scene early on in the film and i suddenly was looking into the world and i was seeing lots of older people on the high street and lots of younger people rushing past them yeah. without seeing them and I, I i really immediately at that point realized that actually this film had worked on me on for me on on a on, on a, a quite a personal level because i came into the to the real world mm -hmm. and and felt its effect well, nice uh, a glowing review that I think Henry's going to come and cut yeah. down now, but Nick took all this away. <laughs> what were you missing then, Henry? Oh, I don't know. I mean, weirdly, I think Nick did kind of strike at what I got from the film, which is that I found it profoundly depressing. Um, and like, I don't know, there, there's been this whole kind of like wave of like Grey Pound films recently with stuff yeah. like The Duke. Uh, basically, it's a kind of the mm. type of film where you get like, a story and it's either like it's a true story or it's based on like a book that did really well was in like a rich and judy book club um and it, you put like a beloved british star in it like yeah michael kane uh timothy spool jim broadbent someone like that and you put it out in cinemas and elderly people go crazy on it for like a couple of weeks and i thought that this was going to be like in that and i just was so depressed i just kept thinking about like getting old and dying and i was in this audience of like elderly people i was the youngest in there by about three decades and i was looking around at this audience and i was like oh no these people are gonna have had their day ruined i i kind of this is a bonkers comparison to make but i kind of had the sense watching this that i got from twin peaks the return where oh, <laughs> when you watch that it's there's a sense of it which is Oh my god, you're just thinking about all the people who died before it was made and while it was being made and since it's been made and you're like, oh my god, time is passing, everything's slipping by, it's all ephemeral. So and you I had an existential crisis and you're blaming that on the director? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, the kind of the stuff where it's the couple together is, is sweet, you know, like showing a kind of couple that have been together for 50 years and still have like that little love for each other and he's like oh if, if i get back and she doesn't give me a kiss i'm going awol again i'm like oh that's nice and then it's like we're all dying we're all old everything's going horribly and then the card comes up at the end and it's like six months later they were both dead and you just kind of <laughs> walk walk out with just a lead footstep. I, I oh. think that's why I like this movie because I I think it it didn't uh, shy away from that. I think I don't think it tried to pretend that it was. It has these twee moments and these sort of slightly um, twee bits of dialogue occasionally. And I agree, by the way. It didn't, why does it have to be based on this so-called well, this true story of this veteran? I would have rather just been an exploration exploration of their relationship. But nonetheless, it would that never would have got made because um, it, it is quite a depressing movie. And I, I think that's why I liked it because it, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting an out and out sort of slightly. Uh, two-dimensional comedy uh, I loved the Duke I'll enjoy the Duke but you know the Duke was, was what it was you know purporting to be I do actually also though <laughs> agree with Henry in that my Simon left field comparison was reminded me of for no real good reason other than for um, no country for old men because there's a moment in that that's so bleak that's and bleak, despairing yeah. of like there's no hope in anything I, I 
so I, I did get that from the film. So I'm probably putting people off going to see <laughs> this is actually a comedy. Say. But I, I, I thought it was really rather wonderfully done and okay. I personally would recommend it. Well, it's affecting, isn't it? Either way, whether you see that as a negative or a positive. Mm. Um, but that's The Great Escaper. That's in cinemas now. So go and have a look if you'd like to have your day ruined, as Henry <laughs> says. Um, Moving on to something that starts off a bit bleak but has a really lovely um, turnaround. This is Flora and Son on Apple TV. Young Max, one more offence and you'll be behind bars. Flora, you're his mother. Find him something to do. What are you doing right now? You don't want to know. You are a great mother. Am I? Happy birthday. What's that? It's yours. Don't want to play. Since when am I guitarist? <clears throat> I can't go on like this, living in a shoebox with a kid who hates me. Can't wait for the day I don't have to be here. Go on! Go back to your dad! I might learn the guitar myself. That's just too funny. Takes years of practice, commitment. Are you really going to talk to me about commitment? So, Yozzy, I saw this last minute before the last Cambridge film show and I was the only person plus one other who had seen it so I pulled it off that show because I wanted more people to see it because it is I loved it so much but tell us what happens in Flora and Son yeah I, I can do that so it's about um, a woman called Flora she's a single mother and uh, she uh, is set in Dublin I believe it is Dublin isn't it I think so somewhere in Ireland I think mm. it's Dublin um, and uh, she's got a teenage son uh, called Max and their relationship doesn't look the rosiest when you first come into the film mm. and he's quite a rebellious teenager he's doing a lot of stealing and getting into trouble with the police um, so she tries to find him a hobby and she finds a guitar gets it all fixed up for him he has no interest in the guitar whatsoever so she decides alright well maybe I'll give it a go start some online lessons with the lovely Joseph Gordon JGL um, who starts I teaching I lit up when he showed up <laughs> What is he doing here? It's just so right, because it's all online as yeah. well. Um, and um, she, he starts teaching her to play the guitar. Now, if you, if the director is John Carney, and he directed films like Sing Street, and one of my absolute favourite films, which is the musical Once. The Oscar-winning um, musical Once. Oscar-winning musical, yes, that is correct. And it is... You can see the similar themes here in this film about the power of music and how music can connect people. Mm -hmm. And actually, even Flora's son, who isn't interested in the guitar, he's got a love of music. It's just different. I he think. produces he her, produces, doesn't he? Yes, yeah, and he does her music. backing. And, you know, as the film goes on, it's, you know, the relationships develop both with Flora and, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, but also between her and, and her son through kind of all of this music. And it is... It was just so lovely to watch. I watched it straight after watching Fair Play. So <laughs> lovely palate <laughs> it was cleanser. Just so refreshing to me and just really sweet and heartwarming mm -hmm. and the music itself is gorgeous. There's one scene where Flora and um and Jeff, sorry, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character are playing on a rooftop and it's a song that they've written yeah. for each other and it's beautiful. They do verses each transatlantically yes. and then they play them and together. And they put it together and it's, it's so really sweet. really nice. The, the one thing I would say um, um, the last 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, where it's kind of about the family, Flora, Max, and, and her, her uh, Max's father, who she's no longer with, coming together to play music. That kind of sequence, I did feel that was a bit rushed. I would have liked to have seen that developed more. It is a short film, it's about an hour and 30 minutes, mm. and I just think that we could have had more time to yeah. explore 
that more and how Max is kind of growing. But still absolutely love this film and thank you for reminding me what a great song um, Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell is because I really enjoyed listening to that had it on non-stop afterwards crying to myself making lasagna so (laughs) (laughs) cool night in Um, yeah I wasn't bored at all I agree it could have been longer every character is brilliant even the small part the um, biological dad of Max is Jack Rayner from Midsummer, and Eve Hewson is the thing that keeps this chugging along she's brilliant so from Bad Sisters Bono's daughter um, but it's, it's uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, she she's the one that delivers the zingy one-liners. It's not twee at all, even though it's the way you're telling the story about how lovely it is. Some people might think, oh, that sounds a bit yeah. wet. Not at all. She is she's, zingy. She's at the centre of this. Her performance mm. is grounded in realism, I think, mm. and she she's just such a character she really carries this film along and you know she's very grounded very sweary Mm. doesn't really care about much but is enjoying the music and you sort of enjoy the music along with her and she does a really great speech kind of explaining um, because the film I think is about finding something for yourself that builds your self-esteem that pulls you out of whatever funk you're in, gives your life meaning, makes you feel more worthwhile. She had her kid when she was maybe 16, lives in, like she said, a shoebox flat, really dingy estate, doesn't seem like she's going anywhere fast, but then completely changes her world and life view because she gives herself something. Um, And it's dragging herself out of that bleakness. I also love how they do the Joseph Gordon-Levitt being involved in the film as well, because that could have jarred a bit but it really works and it was really sweet and I think everyone should stream it. And I liked that it didn't go in the sort of fairy tale direction that it could have done. Oh yes, yes, yes you because know? I was rooting for that ending but then I was like, okay, well that does actually make more sense I, yeah, I get I, it. I really liked that it was good touch. I loved it. So Flora and Son is a very funny as well as heartwarming film on um, Apple TV Plus streaming now, definitely watch it, a big favourite of mine over the last few months. I very quickly want to pay homage to T-Swizzle. Nick has no idea who that is. What, what did you call this, Nick? What tour did you think it was? Uh, oh, oh, um, uh, Eras. No, uh, Do you say Eras? Eras. Eras. <laughs> I think I so it. Eras Henry is the luckiest of the bunch among us. Um, how much did you pay for this ticket? Taylor Swift's Eras tour, I should explain. <laughs> Um, it's it's got it's going all over the world. It's a big three-hour show, and the concert film hits cinemas on Friday the thirteenth. She's big into her thirteens, Taylor. But it's a premium film, isn't it? You pay quite a lot for this. Yeah, I mean, it's the same as like kind of any any sort of um, you know arts event where kind of like yeah, theatre or opera or like uh, a stage play. Yeah, you're going to pay a little bit extra for it. Um, so I think, you know, there's some people who are going like, oh, that's a bit cheeky. That's kind of what you expect for these type of events. And it's three hours nearly. It is three hours. So, you know, if you're worried about getting bang for your buck, <laughs> it's three hours of your time. Mm-hmm. And it is, yeah, it's a delight. Like, if you are not already a fan of Taylor Swift, then it's not going to convince you. Like, it, you're going to feel like you're being waterboarded by like three <laughs> hours of music you're not interested in. So is it, if you hate the music or you don't know the music, it's still not visually exciting enough? Well, that's the thing. I think if you are just inherently annoyed by the music, you're not going to go, oh, well, no, actually, it's a masterpiece. But then if if you're even like, if you like, if you kind of passively enjoy the music, that's how I think you're going to be won over because the like production design of the actual show itself is stunning like she has created this absolute monument and i think that's why it's kind of really exciting that it exists in this cinematic form that we just Mm. have 
a kind of artifact of this forever to be able to point to and go like this was like the defining tour that the defining artist of our generation did and we can point to it and go and that's what that looked like in a similar nice. way to um, Stop Making Sense which has been back in cinemas recently it's still going on it's still excellent in the same way that that's a kind of um, an artifact of like how great talking heads were forever this is kind of that and I think it's going to like in the same way that Miss Americana kind of set off this wave of like sad music documentaries where all the artists are like, sometimes it's hard being a singer. So that's Taylor Swift's documentary that came out quasi recently. Yeah, that came out like pre-pandemic. I think this is going to do a similar thing where every artist is going to go, oh, we've got to like film our tour and put it in cinemas so that like we can kind of celebrate it and have this testament to it forever. Um, yeah, like I'm already a Taylor Swift fan. I went with my partner who is a diehard Swifty. Uh, we both cried a lot. Um, it was a really good vibe in the cinema. I, yeah, I just thought that it was an, <laughs> it's an absolute delight. I, I just want to quickly, I've not seen the Aris tour, the Aris tour, <laughs> but um, I was reading in Mojo last month, they turned 30 and they were looking at artists from the last 30 years and they were looking forward for the next 30 years, who will be relevant in the next 30 years and the top of their list was, was Taylor Swift. And so whatever, I don't know much of Taylor Swift's music, but the other sort of people on that list were musicians and obscure guitarists and people that I, I know but very few, like Modu Mukhtar for example you've probably never heard of him but he's mm -hmm. fantastic but Taylor Swift is considered and taken very seriously so I you know it's someone I think I need to investigate more so I do think she's a become a, a Swifty Nikki you'll love Swifty, it yeah. Swiftly become and Swifty. I will play you a little bit of Taylor Swift her best song underneath us as we say goodbye and we remind you again Cambridge Film Festival Henry it's going to be ace right at the picture house from the 19th absolutely Poor Things is there, which is like the hot ticket. You're that looks so film. weird. Um, yeah, we've got Andrew Haig's new film with Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott, which again, like, sounds incredible. Um, Powell and Pressburger season's playing for it as well. Surprise film's always exciting. No one knows what that's going to be yet. Maybe Anatomy of a Fool, Hitman, something cool. Um, yeah, lots of, like, cool little bits and pieces. I'm excited. I've bought, like, half the tickets already. So. You can buy tickets now, can't you? So go to cambridgefilmfestival.org.uk. So secret film, does that kind of sell out quite often? It does often. Um, yeah, like The opening and the closing films, I think you mentioned them, they will sell out. So typist, artist, Pirate King is the opener, the closing film, All of Us Strangers get tickets if you want to see those yeah yeah absolutely and if you're if you're in town you can pop into the bitch house they'll sell tickets to you in person as well and pick Any up a brochure pick up a brochure it's great to kind of flick through it and it's got a nice breakdown of like what time stuff is playing so you can plan out days of just non-stop film excellent and it's a brilliantly buzzy atmosphere at the picture house for the week isn't it and yeah. there's they shoehorn in loads of great kids stuff because it's half term as well loads of short films you can see a few of those there's a few q a's coming up i think they've had some confirmed some that are kind of still rumbling as potentials. I know Asif Kapadia and Carol Morley are both going to be yeah. there parts of the week. We've had so. huge celebrities come yeah. through Cambridge for the film festival over the years. Please go down to the Cambridge Arch Picture House at some point between the 19th and the 26th of October to support. Thank you for listening to the Cambridge Film Show. Thanks, Yozzy. Say bye. Bye, bye. Thanks, Nick. Bye. Last time, Henry. Ah, bye. Goodbye. Thanks for playing and thank you again for listening. Cambridge 105 Radio.